live from the internet, it's the Local Host Podcast with Mark Drew and Rob Dudley. Hello from the internet and welcome to episode six of the Local Host Podcast. Today we're talking about anything and everything relating to the web and development, and specifically in this episode, we're having a conference call and talking about conferences. I'm Rob Dudley, and pressing the next slide button with me is Mark Drew. So let's get on with the show. How are you doing? Hello, Mark. I'm good. It's it's miserable here. Is it? I'm quite glad to be indoors recording. Yes, it's it's filthy. Oh, but I thought, the the, I thought Jersey was I thought Jersey was the land of the eternal British sun. It it's the land of the eternal. This is the weather you get when you live by the sea. Ah, uh, yeah, no, fair enough. You you are you are buffeted by the winds of change. Indeed, and and actual winds <laughs> and actual um, winds of actual. Uh, weather. Well, just in case anybody anybody wasn't aware that this is a, a podcast recorded by two British people, we've kicked off with a conversation about the weather. <laughs> and we could actually fill about a good hour talking about the weather, I'm pretty sure, which I think anybody else in, in, in any other content would be going, what? How can you fill a whole hour with that? But we can. But let's get but back we're not to... not going to. No, we're not. We're going to talk about conferences. Uh, we're going to talk about... Uh, what makes a good conference? Going to conferences? Why you should go? Why should you maybe sponsor a conference? Why should you talk at a conference? Uh, and, and potentially why you should even put one on? Dangerous times, indeed. <laughs> so, um, Rob, we actually met at a conference. Did we? We not? did. It's a uh, while back now. First ever meeting was, um, I want to say, 2013. Yeah, it could be around there. Um, um, we're going to have to fact check this, and there's people screaming, "Oh yes, yes, Scotch!" Ah, oh, you're wearing the t-shirt for Scotch on the Rocks. Uh, I, I actually still have that t-shirt somewhere. I should, I should find it out. It was a great conference up in Edinburgh, run by uh, a lovely chap called Andy Allen and his company called Fuzzy Orange, which is the best name of a company I've ever heard in my life. If, if. that's pretty much the best start any conference can have. Yeah. Um, so yeah, um, and I suppose. When we're we're talking about conferences, we'll talk about the benefits and what have you. One of them being, um, as we'll get into, you firm you form firm lasting friendships. Indeed, so there we go. Um, so, aside from that, what would you say? I mean, you you've been to a fair few conferences. Right. I've I've been to a fair few. Um, what what makes a good conference? I think there's a, a, a number of things. Um, a lot of the time, you're not going to notice what makes a good conference. Is is that what's missing that that actually comes to mind that makes you think, oh, this is wrong. I think one of them is location. Obviously, if you have somewhere that's interesting to go to, because sure, you, you'll spend a lot of the time with the conference, but there's been a lot of conferences I've been to, which have been literally me going to an airport, me going to a hotel, doing conference, 
going back to the airport and leaving and everyone expects whoa you went to this sunny you know or you went to this foreign climb and you're like i have no idea i saw it out of the taxi for five minutes or however long it was you know so interesting place i mean i've just been to dc which is obviously an interesting place um mm-hmm. very very hot but um but interesting uh, and and humid, um, but it's a nice place to go, right? So you have like lots of things to do, and and as well as doing the conference. Um, the other thing I think intrinsic of the conference is how well it's run and the, and the sessions. I mean that that's a core part of it is what kind of content you're going to have there, and if it's relevant to you. If it's not relevant to you, you're going to be completely bored. You know, National Association of of Insurance Agents conference, which I'm sure will be happening somewhere. I'm not going to be that interested in, but. Is something that you're totally going to be interested in if it's something to do with web development, or, you know. Yeah, so I suppose the the key thing is is picking a conference that you're interested in, which sounds obvious, but there are increasingly, um, certainly in the world of web technology, um, a, a greater degree of specialization, I think, in some of the conferences. Um, so, you know, there's stuff like ReactConf and what have you that deal with a very specific technology stack. Um, and realistically, if you're not using that stack or not passionate about that stack, why would you go to the conference? Right. Um, maybe to learn, maybe to become passionate about it. Right. Far, far be it from us to tell you what to do with your own life. Uh, but yeah, I suppose the, the topic is good. And I'm still a big fan of um, the broader scope conferences that cover all sorts of stuff. You know, I like a, I, I like variety in in my conference life, mm. um, mostly because those are the ones where you tend to learn something completely new that you had no intention of, right. of learning about, um, and yeah, uh, variety being the spice of life. Variety is therefore the spice of conferences. Right. And I think, yeah, you're right. And it's also trying to push yourself when you go to a conference is to choose something that you wouldn't normally choose to go to, right? Because I've seen too many people that, that go to a session about something that they know about, but you should go to something that you don't know about because that's where you're going to learn something. And presentations are great for that. They're a great uh, gateway into whatever technology um, they're presenting about, right? Because they're done in a nice format. The other thing that I kind of like about I'm still on on the uh, on the fence about the length of sessions, but I've gone to one conference that the sessions were about 25 minutes, like 20 minutes with five minutes for 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 talking, or maybe it was, they're basically half an hour in total, mm-hmm. including you getting out of the damn room, right? Um, I'm kind of liking those because you actually get the same amount of information as you do in a one hour presentation, but it's just a little bit more condensed. You don't have you know with the cruft taken out. Um, I think a 45-minute session is a lot more comfortable. There's less rushing in it. Certainly, uh, I mean, I've there, there are two things here, I suppose. One is, and I, I can't remember what the exact number is, but it's it's often quoted that the human brain can pay attention for like 20 minutes before mm. it just stops absorbing new information and needs to take a break. Right. Um, at the same time, I'd suggest it's slightly different in a, a, a presentation environment. You're actually paying attention. But anything longer than 45 minutes with maybe 5-10 minutes for questions um, seems a bit OTT. At the same time, it depends very much on the topic and, and the depth of, of the, the wander through. I mean, I've seen not so much um, that I've actually been to, because most of the sessions I've attended at conferences have been the kind of 45-50 minute mm-hmm. um, or lightning talks that we'll, we'll possibly cycle back to. Um, I have seen stuff online where you're watching kind of YouTube uh, talks, very specific deep dives, and they're two hours. The advantage there is I'm watching on YouTube, so I can pause, go right. get a cup of tea, 
Exactly. Um, yeah, GDC, the Game Developers Conference, have put a lot of their presentations up, and I think they either half an hour or an hour, so mm -hmm. they, they fall into these slots, right? And, well, for game development, for example, that's a very beautiful thing. You want an hour of that because you'll have great slides, you'll have talk about mechanics, or you'll have talk about, you know, how to do artificial intelligence in games and or something kind of, it's a, a complex stuff. But obviously, as you say, watching it on YouTube is fantastic. So I think a lot of conferences that do record that and make the sessions available afterwards, fantastic. You know, Develop has got like a whole bunch of sessions that I missed because there was something in another track that that I can, you know, you had to make a choice at the time. I think one this of the, is actually uh, sorry, just to jump in. Mm. It's actually the the double-edged sword of a, a broad and well-organized conference is you will inevitably end up with with track envy, right? <laughs> you, you, you've gone to see a specific thing, and at exactly the same time, it happens at every conference. There is at least one session, probably more than that, where you are torn. Uh, you don't know which one to go to. So yeah, make having a conference organizer that then recognizes that puts the sessions online, even if they only put them online for the attendees, which I have seen done. Yeah, well, that's, um, a fair, that's fair enough in, in a weird way, um, right? Um, or putting, like, in, like for example, putting them online for a year until after the next one, and yep. then you put, like, previous years on, because, you know, that, that that's kind of out of date, but you can get a flavour for the conference. You know, that's a good thing. Um but also the other thing that they that that conferences have, which are, are, are key, are also workshops. I haven't attended many, but mm -hmm. sometimes it's because you like, oh, I want to go and you know, unless you're really into that technology, you're not going to do that that workshop. But you know, having like a half day workshop on on a technology means that you actually come back with not takeaways, but actual skills. You know. Having actually done it with your own hands is always like the best learning experience that you can do. So, you know, doing like a, a testing um, workshop is great because you've actually now done the testing and you can ask questions and it's expected of you to ask questions, you know? And that's yeah. a really um, good one. And these are most, more often than not, these are these are industry experts, right? So these are the the developers of the system or, or what have you, or, or, you know, firmly highly regarded individuals in this field. Um, I've only done, I think, one workshop, and it was actually something completely random. It was to do with information security, mm. um, but it did work exactly like that. You know, you, you, fair enough. You always come away from a um, um, a session with lots of new notes, hopefully, and information and ideas. But you come away from a workshop equipped. You're you're good to go. You know, you can go right. back and immediately start putting that knowledge into into use. That's right. Um, but what else? You know, one of the things I hear a lot about. What makes a good conference is the food, right? So a lot of the times it's like the food uh, and network, good networking space. However, you, however you define that, if it's like a conference bar or if it's a a, a good hallway or somewhere that you can have meetings, I have done. Um, so when we talk about networking, people think it's just ambling around, talking to people. Um, and Develop did a really good thing, which was a way for you to uh, actually book. I can't remember how long the meetings were, like 20 or 30 minutes uh, or 20 minute slots with other people or organizers or sponsors or things like that. So you could um, actually have a diary of like, okay, so there's this gap in the presentations. I want to go and meet some people. You can actually say, can I have a chat with you? And I did that. I developed and managed to talk to some very interesting people. And it's not just like, okay, what can I do for you and what can you do for me? Sometimes it's just like, hey, can we just sit down and actually have a chat? And they had an area that you could actually go and have these conversations, you know, in quiet rather than in, in the hallway. But 
networking, I think, is a core part of of conferences. This is how you can meet people in your industry. I think this has always been the key thing, and the 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 real value add for me is if you just want to digest the latest knowledge from experts in the field, it's pretty much all available. You know, go and mm. read blog posts. Yep. It's all on YouTube somewhere or. A, other video sharing networks are available. Yep. <laughs> um, but the real benefit is being able to, um, I mean, if you've got a, a conference that has a structure around it, like um, that's amazing. Um, but even if it's just you calling them in the bar, can I buy you a drink and have a, a chat about your session or what have you? And it's not even the other speakers, it's just other individuals, other attendees. Right. You know, you'll, you'll meet people who have obviously got shared interest, you're at the same kind of conference. Um, and being able to kind of um, you know bounce off them, have, have a chat, work through ideas and what have you—it's all all part of the tapestry of the conference experience. And by and large, I mean I have been to um, not so much uh, that I've paid to attend. I've kind of spoken at conferences where I haven't really been to many of the other sessions because I've been too busy just talking to people. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, no, I had, and, I had you know, yeah. still getting massive amounts of, of value, personal and professional. Um, but yeah, so networking a, a huge benefit. Um, we should we should talk. I mean, when we're talking about like what makes a good conference is like kind of the style of talks that they have there. So we've talked about the length of them, but I think you hit on lightning talks, and that's that to me that's extreme presenting. Mm -hmm. um, what's a lightning talk? Let, let, let's just first cover well, what that is. is. This is something that I've I've seen in a couple of different flavors, but a lightning talk is traditionally a very short time window for a very specific topic. Okay. Um, so if you're doing it properly, I, I believe that there's kind of um, you know extreme presentation where the slides will auto advance. What is it? One per minute? And you get two no, minutes, it's one. So uh, okay. One per thirty seconds or whatever. So there was um, there was the background of that was a, a star called Pekachka or Pekakuchka. I can't remember how I, I, I know it's written, but I think they tried to trademark that so it's down so that nobody else could do it. But okay. essentially, that's they became lightning it. talks, right? <laughs> so yeah. because people, yeah, great, that's a great idea. Totally uh, copyright that. I, I might be wrong in all of this, but this is what I remember. So a lightning talk, you meant to have like slides go every twenty seconds. Yeah. Right, so, so it's, it's really fast, um, and basically it's it's a very short time window for uh, an information dump on a topic. Yeah. Twenty slides, is, I think it is. It's twenty slides yeah. in twenty seconds. So it's about six a six and a half minute talk. Mm -hmm. My my math is not very good at the moment. Um, this, to be honest, saves you from uh, well, it does a couple of things. Firstly, it saves you from very long, drawn out forty five minute presentations that could easily be fitted into six and a half minutes. Yeah. Um, and let's face it, there are a few of them out there. Um, it also gives people who aren't potentially prepared to prepare a full 45-minute presentation an opportunity, because these things are often kind of open to all comers at the conference, right? You can kind of right. register your interest at, at the beginning and say, yeah, I want to do a talk on this topic. And you can do, and generally they're about anything, right? So when we're saying yeah, yeah. to all comers, I've seen one about what what does it mean to be in love? What uh, Why I'm <laughs> interested in uh, reenactment, I think, was one of them. Another one was about knitting, I think, and things like that. But the, because in six and a half minutes, it's like, even if you're not interested in the subject, you can pay attention for six minutes, right? Yeah. Um, and the, the main advantage for me, leaving aside the fact that, you know, love LARPing and, and lace, not quite my thing, <laughs> um, 
it gives you the uh, it gives you an instant conversation starter with the presenter of that topic. So if you were interested and engaged, you've got a really easy in to go up to them and say, "I really enjoyed that presentation. It was you know really interesting. I'm engaged. Let's talk some more about it." And that is, to be honest, one of the things that you you often you don't see um, in your your fellow attendees is you know these are all interesting people with a variety of different interests, not least of which the main professional reason for being at the conference. Mm. And, and having that kind of, that in, that, that way to start the conversation as a bit of an icebreaker can often be a really, really good thing. Right, because it, um, icebreakers are always a problem, I guess, if you're shy, if you're not, you know, if uh, you're not as, as outspoken as, I guess, you and I. Um, but you know, even then, like going up to somebody that, that whose presentation you've enjoyed, you know, you have now a, a topic of discussion that you can then find out more about that person, or they can mm-hmm. find out, you know, find out more about them and discover diverse people, or you know, in in a nice, equally respectful environment. I guess is is yeah. what I'm trying to say. And I think, I mean, aside from the fact that I, I quite happily talk to hundreds, maybe even thousands of people on the internet, you know, I do still find it quite hard just going up to somebody cold. Um, right. I don't have a massive problem with that. But, yeah, anything that eases that process of just starting that conversation for me is an absolute win. Just cycling back to, um, you know, uh, good things at conferences, food and networking mm. spaces we've talked about. Uh, the other one is coffee. Yeah. Um, or just you know beverages, refreshments, um, and building in time to get them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I went to one conference years ago that was in a great venue in DC, but it's like a national conference center. And at the time, I smoked, so I wanted to go outside for a smoke. And it was like a t- good 10, 15 minute walk to get out of this building. It was like a, such a massive thing that it was like, okay, I won't, you know. I'm missing half the sessions, but it was the same for the coffee, or if you wanted to go and see the the exhibitors. Oh, that's another good thing about uh, conferences is is Mm -hmm. good exhibitors, Um, because they're going to be in your in your domain, you know, in your in your industry. You can see and actually talk to people that are supplying the goods that you're probably using. So, for example, like Adobe in 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 my in, in my neck of the woods, you can actually talk talk to people that are working. On stuff, and there we go. We get my notifications all closed up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So um, I went to a conference at London, got chatting to some of the guys from Orchestrate, um, okay. which I think has been acquired now, um, and they were doing some cool separate databases and what have you, and that led rise to you know using that in the next product. So yeah, um, exhibitors, vendors, um, always there. Go and have a chat, and because they are trying to get you to buy their stuff. Um, you tend to get swag. Ah, uh, swag. We haven't. We really haven't touched on that. But that's one of the good things about a conference. I think I'm surrounded by 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 conference swag. Um, I, I got a great little uh, thing from. Uh, I can't say even say the name. Shibbersted Media Group, which is like a tile, you know. So I find, oh, always yeah. find my I always find my luggage. So thanks, guys. Um, nice. And especially with IoT coming in, that that's the swag that's been uh, making its way. Uh, recently, you know, good things that from there, um, and as a sponsor, because I've spon- my company sponsored a number of of conferences, we're always looking for like what can we give swag that makes people think, oh, they're a good company, and I'll start thinking about them. So, for example, at one conference we gave away uh, moleskin books so you can make mm-hmm. good notes. Um, 
but yeah, what's your best swag? I can see some some uh, elephants behind you. Are those swag or are those just? Uh, um, the, they, they are not, I'm afraid. I'm trying to think what would my best swag be, because I tend to be fairly, fairly swag resistant. Uh, otherwise, I just have massive piles of, of conference-related crap everywhere. Right. T-shirts, um, for one, is, is, is a bit... T-shirt, I will always try and grab if there's one available. Um, coffee mugs, until recently, uh, were a guaranteed. Um, well, have you filled up your, your quota of coffee mugs? Yeah, we have. I mean, there are two of us living in this house. We could entertain about sixty um, <laughs> if they only wanted coffee, right? Um, so, or yeah. pudding. You could you could make like a, a, like a coffee pot brownie, a coffee mug brownie. Look, I up can't it. remember which company I got it from, and this is really embarrassing um, because they didn't brand it, which is a mistake. Yeah, if you're giving away swag at a conference. Make sure it's got your name on it somewhere. Um, but I did get, um, we've talked about the Pomodoro technique, I think, in a previous episode. Yeah, we have. Uh, and they were giving away actual little cute Pomodoro timers. Oh, nice, the little, the little tomatoes. Yeah, so a little tomato um, kind of egg timer thing. Um, so that was quite cool. And that I've still got. That's the other thing, is, is how much of this has survived. I think I've had countless drinks coolers and what have you. That have USB gone. sticks are not the thing to give away nowadays, I, I've got to say. I mean, it's, it's now... Um, unless it's, like, crazy... Like, you know, 128 gig, the fastest USB stick ever. And even then, people would just lose them. Yeah, because, like, we, we store stuff in the cloud. We've talked about this. <laughs> <laughs> um, the other thing is, you know, it doesn't have to be immediately useful. Um, mm. One of the uh, companies at an event that I helped organize, which was a, a smaller event, their, their sponsorship goodies were, obviously, they did pens and papers, which is always useful because people always need to take notes. Mm. Uh, and they did little tubs of jelly beans. Oh, yes, that's awesome. And these were really good, like Primo, I think they were Jelly Belly or, or whatever the Primo brand is. Yeah, they jelly were beans. amazing. Mm. You just saw every everywhere you looked, you'd see people just dipping into these little tubs uh, and, and gnawing away. Um, so, yeah. Um, <laughs> I got a, uh, I got a, I mean, we're talking about this for so long. I got a battery, for example, not a battery, but like a, a, a power pack that, you know, so mm -hmm. you can charge up your, your mobile. Um, and that was like awesome because you're at a conference. There's no plug points, or there, there there should be. That's another good thing that that makes a good conference being able to plug in and and charge up. But they gave you right in time. It was like, oh my god, my phone's going to go down because I'm I'm tweeting or whatever. And uh, yeah, it was right in time. But yeah, yeah so there you go. You see, yeah, the 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 proper name for conference goodies are church keys. Church keys. Yeah, that's a proper name for them. Okay. Yeah, I'll, I'll I'll put the 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 link to. It's a funny name. I don't know where it comes from. I'll, I will have to put a, a link to the to the dictionary definitions. But they're the tchotchkes. Yeah, yeah, we we need the etymology of that. Um, yeah, I, I don't think I've ever heard that word before. But that oh, really? Is. So, um, why would one? Well, this is kind of obvious. Why would you attend a conference? It's it's, you know, knowledge gathering primarily. Right. You know, you, you want to see some stuff, um, and learn new things. You want networking, and well, and and this is something that we hit before, um, and this is w where this kind of podcast has come out from. Has been that yes, you have a job, you, the, the the your employer is not dependent on your career. It's not interested in your career. It's interested in giving you a job so you do something for them, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, they should be. I mean, there's legal requirements, and good employers are interested in in your career progression. But it's your career is is something that you're in charge of. So you should be pushing to go to, to these conferences because it, it helps your career. It helps you understand more things in there. It makes you 
grow as a person you know you could be learning all the books that you want but i think if you could if you go somewhere you can get exposed to so much technology and and conferences will have at a minimum 40 talks right or something like that if, if it's a two-day conference you know with a few tracks you're going to have so much knowledge like gathered in one place you know is is like a knowledge black hole you know that you can just like do escape velocity out of it obviously with the knowledge but oh, I don't know that analogy is going going nowhere it's may have stretched that metaphor a little too far uh, yeah um, <laughs> but no it, it, I understand exactly what you're saying it is there are very few other opportunities in fact I don't think there are any that provide the same access to such a wide variety of immediately available information for self-professional improvement as a conference right you know, two days two tracks, you will come away with more knowledge than you would probably be able to gather in a month un under your own time. Yeah. And this um, is what... Just because it's presented for you. It's, exactly. It's organised, structured. It's a smorgasbord of, of, uh, of knowledge there that you can just dip into and take away with you, which is how you should sell it for, to your employer because a lot of conferences have, like, why go to my conference and a knowledge for the managers, right, for your boss. And... If your boss can't see the value of you doing it, maybe that's a bad company. <laughs> you know, I mean, this is actually something that's quite interesting um, when we talk about why attending. I mean, we, we've talked about freelancers before versus employed. Mm. Um, and I remember having conversations with you know, good friends of mine who are freelance, mm. whilst I've been potentially paid by the company just to attend the conference. Um, if you're in a position where your employer can can afford and is interested in in paying for you to go to a conference great i would also suggest you know you can always negotiate that mm -hmm. <clears throat> up front um but bear in mind that you know for a, a lot of these larger conferences if you are freelance the freelancer is on the hook for the whole bill right yeah um and that bill can be fairly hefty if yeah, you're flights international hotels and stuff like that yeah. um, and as yeah, well as a conference entry right yeah, and that that itself for the larger ones can be approaching four figures, over four figures, depending on on the scale. Yeah. So, it's not an insignificant investment, um, and and therefore I suppose, if you can find a way to to offset that and convince your your employer to do it, great. Um, at the same time, the amount of value and personal development you'll get. I mean, I've been to conferences where I've paid the entire thing whilst employed, paid the entire thing myself, and taken it as holiday. Um, right. Just because I really wanted to go, I knew that there was massive benefit to me personally. My employer wasn't that interested at the time. Fair enough. Um, but I suppose the the other big thing is if you have been paid, as in your employer's picked up the flights, the hotel, the ticket, or the whole kit and caboodle, um, you then kind of have a bit of a duty to your employer to bring that knowledge back. So mm -hmm. don't go to the conference and sit in the bar until 4 a.m. just getting smashed. You, know, you need to be making sure that actually you can demonstrate to them that mm -hmm. you've got real value from it. And potentially, when you bring that information back, look at disseminating it amongst mm -hmm. your team. A lot of people that uh, I've been to conference uh, um, with, or I've noticed, like Nolan Eric, uh, Nolan Irk, uh, someone I work with, um, does this. He does a blog post afterwards. I know, mm -hmm. And I know like people go, well, I don't have a blog or whatever, but... If you work for a conference uh, for a company that has paid for you to go, maybe just write down a document of all the all the stuff that you learned. Like this went went day one. This is the stuff that they were talking about. Here's some links. Put that as immediate after the conference as you possibly can because you're going to forget it. And there you have that that document is invaluable because it's uh, exposing yourself and other people in, in the company to the stuff that you've learned. 
And I think this is another thing that certainly I've learned from experience that the actual two days or, or potentially three days or day, whatever, um, is pretty full on. You know, it, it's a bit of a you, you get quite a buzz out of them. You know, you've done a lot of networking, you met a lot of new people, you've you've learned a massive amount of new stuff. Um, never underestimate the um, the post conference buzz for a couple of days or, or, or a week or so thereafter where you'll be convinced that you can take on the world and what have you. Unfortunately, that does fade as the reality of day-to-day -day, uh, kind of kicks in. So make sure you take advantage of that enthusiasm to, to really um, preserve it so that in a month's time when you're back doing you know reports for whatever it, whatever it is that you're doing um, or, or general day-to-day -day, day -day dull drudgery, you can refer back to that moment directly afterwards when you were really fired up about this idea and, and kind of revisit it, recapture it. Yeah, and, and bottled knowledge, there you go. I'm, I'm yeah. full of uh, metaphors today. Um, another topic that you go on to is like, okay, so you've gone to a conference, another way to, so they're expensive, um, all in all, but they actually can drop down in price a lot if you go and speak to them, because then you don't have to pay for for <laughs> the entry because you're a speaker, and mm -hmm. sometimes they'll even cover your some of your travel costs or probably your hotel costs or something like that. So that so that if you can't afford it, just you know submit a paper or submit you know a presentation. Um, there's many reasons to do this, and I can tell you why my reason to talk, talk about uh, uh, present uh, conferences is that I want to bring more knowledge to the world, but also I want to learn. And one of the facts of doing a presentation is that you learn so much about the topic that you're going to present on. Yep. Because um, as we've talked before, sometimes doing, doing, doing a talk is quite interesting because you learn more about it when you try to present it to somebody else, when you try to tell somebody else about it, than you do when you internalize it. Well, this is it. Any uh, explaining any idea to a person, you will immediately real come to realize what you don't know about that concept. Um, and it's you know, explaining that idea to a room full of persons in a structured forty-five minute window really does mean that you get on top of your game. Right. Um, you, you'll you'll have structured your thinking. You'll have rehearsed it, and what have you. And conferences um, help you with this. Um, for example, every conference you have a advisory board that will go through um, through the presentations if they've chosen your presentation from a from a from an abstract, uh, and they'll go, okay, well you could improve on this. Uh, what are your slides? What are you going to co cover? So they'll help you, you know, do that. And I would suggest that if you're doing a presentation. Do it in front of your colleagues. Maybe do it in front of a meetup. Uh, you know, there's plenty of meetups uh, for technology around. Maybe a, a PHP meetup or a Core Fusion meetup or, or things like that. That you can go and, and do your presentation about your given topic. Um, certainly, any topic that I've presented on, I have given that talk locally to a, a smaller group of people first. Right. It's a great. You don't get a dress rehearsal at a conference. This isn't. You know, you're not rock stars. Um, <laughs> you're not being sound checked. Well, you might be sound checked, but you know, you're you're not being given all of this time. You're expected to arrive ready to to deliver the the talk. So make sure you've built in a good number of goes at practicing it, getting feedback, getting refinement. Because um, the one thing I will say is that um, a lot of people look at like the big conference speakers, and there are certain there are names. Um, there are people in, in every industry, stuff. right? Yeah, yeah, totally. Across any any topic, you can you can see. Um, realistically, anybody can deliver a conference talk. 
if they know about an idea and are willing to put a bit of time into preparing, marshalling those thoughts and a bit of practice, um, anybody can do this. Right. It's not exclusive. There's not some kind of qualification you have to have. You just have to be willing to stand up in front of a room full of people, which can be a bit daunting, but you know, you can get over that mm-hmm. and share your knowledge with them. And that's it. Congratulations. You've just delivered a conference talk. Yeah, exactly. And I think there's a couple of things that I could give advice on, on giving a presentation. One of them is write it out in bullet points, but never make those bullet points appear in front of people. So one of the oh god, bu- yeah, never ever ever read bullets off a right. slide. People can read them much faster than you can, right? So that then you can speak. So if you have three points to give, put them as single words and then explain them, or mm-hmm. put a picture of a puppy with a big word in front of it and explain it. Um, that's the worst thing that 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 that's a big crime, in my opinion, because it's a simple fact that people are either listening to you or looking at the slide, and if they're reading, they're not listening to you. Right, so try to make a presentation that's that's interesting. People either listen to you. You could do a whole presentation with no slides, and people listen to you. We're we're used to listening to people, and especially if they're standing up there with a microphone. So you know, you always think: Is this slide relevant? Can I break it out into multiple ones? Like if I've, you know, three different things. Also, as a presenter, this is a trick, right? But don't tell anyone. Is that I put very big slides because when I have my presenter. A preview on my laptop which is different from what's appearing behind me I can see what the next slide is and if the next slide just looks like a whole bunch of bullet points you have no freaking idea but if it's a picture <laughs> of a lion right you can do lovely segues between between slides and no one notices and they think that you're really professional but the fact is is that no I haven't memorized the whole presentation like that I know by memory but I know the flow and I can see the prompts of the next ne- next screen but don't tell anyone yeah, um, I mean, slideless takes balls. I've seen amazing presentations. Just you know, a person stands up and delivers information. Right. Uh, not for everybody. I'm not going to lie. Some people do actually quite like the crutch, whether it's just as a cue to structure, or as it should be a way of presenting an alternative view on some of the information or introducing um, some of the some of the topics. But yeah, totally agree. People cannot read and listen, um, so always bear that in mind. Um, if you want them to read. Fair enough. Give them time to read. Mm-hmm. Just if you're you're putting up, say, a snippet of, of source code that they need to digest as a, a specific thing, or maybe even a, a video demo of something, mm. um, then don't do don't live demos. Don't do right. live. That's the other thing: is do not live code. No, record it um, and it'll work fantastic. And then you can just press yeah. play and and you can pretend that you're coding it. Um, I have a program here called uh, ScreenFlow, for example, that I use to record my. My coding. Uh, I, the, I tell you, this is true. <laughs> I was at a conference and I was preparing my talk. All of it, ninety percent of it, was a, a live demo, right? Because any, so any other steps and stuff like that is fine. Um, but then the power went out to the whole town, so I had to do my presentation of, of, without a projector. From and so I said, just present it from your laptop screen. I said, like, yeah, but I have to do like live coding. So they used Periscope on it, so people could view on their mobiles. I'm almost like recording my screen. So that's taught me that what happens if the Wi-Fi goes up? For example, if you're doing a Docker presentation or an NPM that's going to download a whole bunch of stuff, right, that works fine at home, if you're suddenly up there presenting and you have no Wi-Fi, and even 
even if it takes a little bit longer, when you're standing there, time dilates weirdly. So your npm, you know, like downloading of all the all the requirement of the, of all the packages, that normally takes a couple of seconds, now feels like thirty seconds, right? And you know, I actually did this. I did a, a talk that was on um, Bauer, Grunt, and Yeoman, okay, um, which are you know, front end build tools. Um, and I was very, very happy that I'd pre-recorded all of the installation. Uh, not least of which because it meant that it was just embedded into the slide, so it was really, really easy just to over to the next slide and then it would start. Right. But also because when we got there, typically enough, the conference Wi-Fi was terrible. Right. And this is like a pretty much guaranteed rule of thumb. Conference Wi-Fi is normally pretty bad. Well, it's because it's you've got like hundreds of people using it at the same time. It's the fact that you have hundreds, thousands of people all connecting to the same network. Um, and tech conferences are even worse because they're all connected to the same network and they're all doing stuff online. So right. you can never rely on the Wi-Fi. So yeah, definitely stuff like that, you can pre-record it. And the other advantage being that you know if you have um, something like an NPM install step, you can speed it up. <clears throat> Yeah, yeah. If your if your video of that recording, it's like, well, that's right. actually you know a good four minutes of just downloading and installing packages. I yeah, don't know. I, I can I can stall for a while, you know, but, but four minutes of like four you're downloading of images uh, yeah, and stuff like okay. that. Um, so once you've got the video, you can just time compress it. Yeah. Or uh, you can actually edit it and say, as a nice, funny, you know, you don't need to see this. This is npm downloading the internet. Lol, and then flash forward. So there's all sorts of flexibility you can do. I have bit, seen people uh, yeah. live code well, uh-huh. um, you know, especially if it's if it's completely local. But the next thing is, um, make sure you can type. Um, uh, I, I'm, I, I can't. Ta- well, I can't type in front of people, and no, no I can't type whilst observed. Yeah, uh, you you then suddenly make millions because you're trying to talk and type at the same time, which is not a skill that you're normally doing, right? Because you're not like yeah. uh, doing all of that. Um, yeah, so um, I try to put all my code up. Quite kind of nice, nice and bigly on the screen. Um, I think that's the final thing is that you might be sat there typing away and what have you. Bear in mind that you've got people at the back of the room viewing this on what is the equivalent of a small color TV. The yeah. resolutions on projectors don't tend to be that brilliant. Um, mm. You know, this isn't your 4K, 5K iMac. This yeah. is um, a cruddy old projection system with really bad contrast. They probably can't see if you're doing lots of really detailed coding what it is you're actually doing. And the other thing is, is for example, what I find, which is really horrible when I have to go between between coding and and people might have different experiences. I I do a lot of my presentations in Keynote or you know PowerPoint, and I have a presenter display which has got my notes right, mm-hmm. the the bullet points that I've removed from the screen. Um, switching from that into live coding and switching back again. I always find that the most horrible step in a, in a presentation that really throws me because I'm looking back to see what they're seeing. Are they seeing my secret notes that say, you know, <laughs> wait for laugh here or whatever? And or are they seeing what I want them to see? And now I have to stop, you know, have to enable mirroring of displays and then disable mirroring of displays and a whole bunch of stuff. And I'm sure there's there's ways to, to speed this up. But but you wouldn't have would not have practiced that step. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Because you don't know what pre- what presentation kit you're going to be presenting on until you actually have plugged into it. 
and that's the other thing is if your if your presentation is is knowledge based and that knowledge is enshrined fundamentally in you as the presenter, um, but on a, a straightforward series of slides, you can do things like put those slides in. You can put that slide deck in Dropbox. You can mm -hmm. export it as a PDF. You can have all sorts of different backup copies because sometimes the kit won't work. Mm -hmm. um, as, it, as it happened to me, I think one <laughs> conference, my laptop literally blew up, which yeah. is great, and uh, I had a pres uh, and of course I had to actually go and buy a laptop because at the time I was on uh, I still am, but I was at MacBook Air, and or had a MacBook, and not many people had MacBooks at the time. I don't think it wasn't as popular, so I had to go and buy a MacBook, download the, the Keynote because it was in Keynote, and. Uh, then run it. It was like that morning. And I'm glad I had it like a backup copy of my presentation, which actually Andy Allen uh, from uh, Scotch on the Rocks was very clever and said, can you all send me your presentations just in case? Yep. Um, and the, actually, the other thing is that if you're doing live coding, so I forgot about this, but this has happened to me, there'll be a software update the day before your presentation that will break npm on your machine or whatever command line or whatever system that that had been working fine so far has broken like a java update has happened and then you try and run your software and it doesn't run right so that so that morning or in the case of npm every other update <laughs> right sorry so, sorry I, I we rag on on the javascript guys it's it's not npm's fault um but let's face it that that package ecosystem is fragile yeah um, yeah but it's not so, so much about the update changed like, so for example, like I've had a software update for OS X the night before, and there you go, it's unlinked Java. It's like moved your, your all your preferences out, so now your terminal's all gone. So now you're trying to present, and you're like now trying to fix something that you need to Google in front of people. So don't do that. Record it, get it all done, and then you can just worry about making your presentation good and, and the right length. Mm -hmm. um, I think the next thing is to think is like, well, what would I, where would I speak at? Or what should I speak at? I notice there's a. I need to make sure that this is the right address. But there's a system called Paper Call. Have you have you come across this? I have not. So Paper Call. Uh, I'm going to just make sure. Yeah, is it's an easy way for conference managers um, to manage your call for papers. So basically, you can also as a as a presenter go there and say, okay. Uh, as, as a conference, you can go, right, send me your papers, your abstracts for your papers, and they can manage and approve and, and go through the whole life cycle of, of, you know, getting speakers up there. But also as a presenter, it's a great thing to see, like, okay, what conferences are looking for papers that I want to do on talk at? So what's local? What's what's interesting, you know? So if you're looking for a place to talk at, Paper Call is a good place to, to go and check that out. So they've got. Um, I'm just looking at the site now. Yeah. yeah, in the in in the footer, they've got an open CFPs call for papers. Right. Um, which has apparently 94 currently active. Right. So if you're looking for your next conference, there's uh, 94 to choose from. A lot of them are are in the US, but you know, yeah, have a dig through. Well, there's a the Netherlands a JVM Con in uh, the Netherlands and CRM Sunday GraphQL Summit in San Francisco. Yeah, this in the states. Mm -hmm. uh, one in Israel. OWASP and stuff like that. So if you're interested in the stuff, there's a quite a lot of stuff. And of course, like if meetup.com is another place that you can go, here's a technology, is it near me? Let's have a let's go to the next meetup or put a paper, you know, submit an abstract of what you'd like to talk about. GDC have uh, the game developers conference have what I don't want to just talk about games, but is the GDC advisory board has got a great 
way of saying how they expect their submissions to go and the the things that you got to hit you've got submission guidelines um and things that you should and shouldn't do which are great to read for any conference to be honest with you i'll i'll, I'll chuck that into the show notes um what for their call of call for papers which is actually quite quite a good one um because yeah, yeah. the i mean submitting to a conference can seem quite daunting because a lot of these will ask for a lot of information um, you know, not only you think, well, hang on, I've done all the hard work, I've got a presentation, it's like, no, they need a full bio of you, potentially they'll ask right. for, for multiple different lengths of digest, because don't forget that the the conference organisers, if they accept your, your presentation, are then going to be using that to promote your session, so yeah. they want loads of different information. And in different uh, formats, like a tweet about your, yeah, yeah. because they'll go like, Mark Drew is speaking at so-and-so, talking about GraphQL or whatever you'd be speaking at, but if you can provide them something that's like a little bit more punchy, more relevant, because they're not going to know exactly how you should be presenting that, right? So, um, for yeah. example, and I was going to say, once for, you've done all of this, keep a copy of it. Don't right. just put it into the form and forget right. about it, because, because if you do it again, you know your bio doesn't change that much. Yeah, um, you can save <laughs> yourself a bit of time and, and stress trying to remember what it is that you're passionate about when you're not coding. Um, you know, so yeah, keep copies of, of this kind of stuff because it comes in useful. Also, you can you can make sure that you maintain a consistent tone and what and whatnot. So yeah. Anyway, sorry you were saying. Yeah, so I was just going to say that they've got this uh, nice guide to the presentation formats, which is what we've been talking about. So for example, a lecture is thirty or sixty or thirty minutes. They've got mm -hmm. panels which have different viewpoints on a certain topic. You've got roundtables which are much smaller amount of people. Um, then they've got tutorials which is a full day that you'd be working on all of that. If you have some great depth of knowledge and you want to set up teaching people other, other people that you could do that or something they have poster which is uh, um, which you don't have a slide presentation you literally go and stand up and just talk in front of whatever um, it's kind of interesting during lunch breaks um, the final thing just before we move on to the next section um, mm -hmm. is you know when when presenting when you're up there if it's your laptop um, make sure you've done a sweep and you've cleaned up your desktop and you've turned off notifications. Yeah, which I forgot not, today. But You're not yeah. using Wi-Fi, right? So turn Wi-Fi off, turn yeah. Bluetooth off, clear the Apple notification center or the Windows notification center, empty your downloads folder. We're mm. not going to judge, but we don't really need to know what else you might be up to. Um, mm. As and, as and the autocomplete on your browser bar, if you're going to be doing that, is I mean, ideally, yeah, kind of, you know, just just do a bit of housekeeping. Wasn't there one? Com I'm going to get this wrong. At one conference, someone had, I think, quite purposely left something up that looked quite dodgy on there. Yeah, um, <laughs> because realistically, I mean, I've seen examples of this um, where it's just it it makes the presenter look foolish. It could actually land you in some serious trouble with the organizer. Um, okay. Because they will, generally speaking, be running under a code of conduct these days. Right. Um, so anything that might be a little bit risque or what have you, they've they'll have proofed your slide deck. But if you've then got you know half naked anime wallpaper on your desktop when you alt tab, that could cause offence. So you know you yeah. just have to bear in mind that, um, especially if they are paying for you to be there, either paying you or have paid to transport you there or what have you. You know, you've got a bit of a responsibility to make sure that your your presentation, whilst it can be entertaining, it can be funny, it can be witty, it can be uh, really in-depth and what have you, the one thing it should never be is offensive, mm. either accidentally or otherwise. Right. 
I try to stick to technology subjects and not. Yeah. Stick to the too. topic. Yeah. This is what you're good at. Yeah. So, why would you sponsor a conference? I don't know because I never have. Okay. <laughs> well, that's that subject done. I mean, I have sponsored. Uh, the, a few. This is the uh, CMD plug, right? No, uh, in, no, no, I, no I, I'm not going to plug. Why, why would one sponsor? I, I think a one of them is is the important thing is, is to get exposure because you want people to know about you in the right or your company. I would say. I mean, people are going to know about you as a presenter, but if you're there sponsoring, there's there's some good things about sponsoring conferences. One, you support the community. Right, mm-hmm. so you get exposure for your, your your conference, but it's kind of like a, a self fulfilling prophecy. You know, you ha- if you want to have a community, you have to kind of give to the community, and the co- community will give back to you. Um, you're able to hit the right market that you're in. So as as depend if you're selling some software, that's probably the people that will be buying your software, or the people that will be making recommendations to their bosses to to buy that software, right? Um, but there's other stuff that you should think about. There's more like advertising and rather than marketing. You know, you're giving stuff away. You're advertising yourself. You're not trying to get sales from that conference. Yep. I, uh, you're not trying. To, I mean, maybe you are. I mean, maybe you're trying to sell fifteen thousand copies of X. But you know, after that conference. But it, generally, that attitude is seen very quickly by conference goers, and they don't kind of. Appreciate. I don't kind of like the one. You know, give me your card, and we'll contact you, and then have endless, you know, people trying to contact me to to sell me something because I I gave them my card for their giveaway. Um, but it's more like thinking of advertising. You know, becoming part of the common knowledge of people, so that when you come to do uh, your giveaway or your marketing, they know you. They have some kind of implicit trust in you. The other benefits actually are. The, you get a talking slot, so sometimes there's sponsor sessions that they, you can go and talk at. So we had one of those at a recent conference at uh, CF Objective that was actually literally like office hours. So instead of me presenting on or selling us, we're a consultancy, so we don't have like, here's our product, here's our uh, stuff. It's, we actually sell knowledge, right, uh, and work effort, you know. Um, but So we had an office hour, so you could come in and ask us questions, and we just tried to solve people's problems within that hour or help them along the right way you know so this is kind of like a really good thing for your company to do and as i said it 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 improves the community yep um depending on what it is you do i mean i can say this from a a, an attendee um perspective is sponsored sessions are often met with a little bit of of wariness because Mm. they can just be like okay great this is a 45 minute sales pitch yeah um and you At shouldn't be doing time. that. You should. You, I, no. I think if you have a product, you should just show the benefits of it, but not yeah. pitch it. You should There's, don't get the sales guy to get the technical guy to 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 present why it's good. And there's been really good examples in in my my history of attending of of sessions that have done exactly that. They've demonstrated the value of the product. They've done uh, you know a, a really useful kind of hands-on demo of how you can integrate um, whatever it happens to be, um, rather than trying to sell it. They, because fundamentally, you're in an environment as a sponsor of people who are there to glean knowledge about a topic. If you're not giving them knowledge and are just giving them a sales pitch, they're just going to switch off. I can say uh, in a, in my crowd, there's a guy called Charlie Earhart who's fantastic at this. He gives really good knowledge on uh, Adobe Core Fusion. He doesn't work for Adobe. And another product called Fusion Reactor. I, I'm not sure. I don't think he actually works for them, but he really helps them out. 
Um, and he really shows you how to use this stuff. And, you know, he, he flies the flag up high for them. But he's not selling it. He's not trying to sell you this stuff. And it's super informative. I've come out of any any of his talks, like knowing 10 more things than I, than I did that I didn't know before I went in, you know. So they should be used judiciously, you know, and you should be doing the right thing in the tone of the conference. You know, if it's yeah. an expo, I guess, it's more of a, like, here's the thing that you can buy. And if you buy 10 of them, you get, you know, 11 yeah. free or whatever. This is it. If you, if you want to sell, go to a trade show. Right. Um, <laughs> I mean, interestingly, just talking about um, the redoubtable Mr. Earhart, um, one of the things that you do tend to see for the larger sponsors, um, and I'm thinking, like, the guys like Twilio um, are really good at this, um, GitHub, um, mm -hmm. you know, they'll often have people whose job it is to be the developer evangelist for their, for their platform. Those sessions tend to be absolutely amazing. Because, sure, they're talking about how you can use their product. They obviously want you to use their product and buy mm. it. Um, but this is, again, it's a real-world use case. They're solving real problems. And often what you'll get from those sessions is, A, really useful information. Um, but, B, you often get things like free credit to try it out and stuff like that. So, um, right. yeah, sponsored sessions definitely worth reviewing, but... I have walked out of sessions where it's just been, hi, I'm the EMEA sales director. I was like, bye, see ya. Right. Uh, not what I'm here for. And I don't feel rude doing that because, frankly, they should know better. Yeah. Uh, it's not what you're doing. It's, I think it's not what conferences are about. It's like no, knowing knowledge, but they can spin it. But uh, my pitch is knowledge. No, your pitch is a pitch. It's, it's a, you're trying to get something out of it. Uh, um, so... The next part I wanted to touch on is like, why would you run a conference? Don't, don't <laughs> run a conference. Um, I mean, I've organised smaller events. These are more like user group style right. or kind of you know regular series of talks. These are strictly local, and those are really really hard work. Mm. Um, I remember talking to Andy at Scotch and him saying that whilst obviously he really really enjoyed it, loved it, and what have you, it was an insane amount of work. Mm. Um, so why would you run a conference? Because you're mad. Um, I think because you have too much spare time. <laughs> um, no, you've got too much spare time and money that you want to give away both. Um, yeah, I mean, why would you said, run a conference? Well, I suppose if we take if we start small, mm -hmm. you know, we don't. This, we're not talking about like uh, let's take over the Sheraton and run a, a, a three day seven track international. Um, you can run a small. Um, user group or something specific within your kind of local community and that's a really really good way to to bring knowledge together you can start to reinforce your local network you can attract people from outside um, so why do you do you organize it fundamentally because nobody else has and you right. want that thing look on meetup.com um, because you could what you could do is, is actually just start something up there if you don't have you know, there's people interested in in stuff around you. You could just set something up there, and some a lot of conferences have come out of these kind of meetups. So they just get bigger and bigger uh, as events. And this is you know? this is the key thing. If anybody sat there thinking I'm going to run an international conference and you've never done it before, then yeah, don't. You're mad. At the same time, you may find that actually you start something that starts quite small and just snowballs. Hmm. Um, I think GDC was like that. I, I haven't been to GDC yet, and I really want to go uh, in San Francisco, which apparently was like a, a, a meetup, and then it kind of snowballed into something like that. Um, 
and now it's been whatever ten years running or whatever. Yeah. Um, um, I was actually watching um, a documentary last night. It's, it, I, I watch it because it's one of my favourite documentaries on uh, DefCon. Oh, okay. The Information Security Conference. Uh, feel free. You can you can legitimately torrent this because I think they made it freely available. Um, but again, the history of that is it started out as basically a meetup party and and what have you. It was a couple hundred people, um, not even. Um, and this was, I think, the twentieth year. They've just done the twenty-fifth year. Um, and yeah, on the twentieth year, it snowballed into this massive international kind of crazy. Tens of thousands of people attend every year. So. But nobody ever, I don't think, unless you're a conference organizing company, which do exist, I don't think anybody sets out to say, yeah, we're going to organize an event. Because if nothing else, it takes time to build up a reputation. It takes time to build up a name. Um, people are going to want to know, well, okay, fair enough. What was your last one like? Um, and one of the big things that you'll get is when people start digging around or casting around for a conference in a given area, they'll often be looking for referrals. They'll be looking for people who went and got real value from it. Mm -hmm. So trying to start big, I think. No. Uh, yeah. But then, hey, like I say, I've never tried to organize a big conference. I've just organized small ones um, that have gone fairly well. That's good. I think. I think, but but from your point of view, like organizing a conference is really good value for you as a company or person, right? Because mm -hmm. as we were saying about this networking, if you're the organizer of that conference, you get the backup benefit of all that knowledge, right? So you're perceived as being an industry expert on all of that or the, the center hub of all of that. So if you're planning on, on doing something like that as a company, for example, uh, so Open Rock started doing it. If they did a, um, I'm going to guess, a PHP conference, they'd get known in the PHP world, right? So as a company that you're doing some other product and running the conference means that you become known for that thing, right? So you become... Yeah, so you get so, you get a nice kind of... Um, all I've got going through my mind is the word splashback, which isn't right. No. Um, but you do get kind of this reflected um, authority yeah. as, as the organiser of... And again, it doesn't have to be a big thing. It could be that actually you're just sponsoring a local meetup or um, or a series of, of smaller talks that run more regularly. You know, mm -hmm. um, but yeah. So there's definite value. Um, don't underestimate, and I can't say this, just how much work. Even an evening of kind of three or four speakers, you still need to source a venue. You need to make sure you've got equipment. Uh, if you're recording it, you need to make sure that's sorted. Audio is always a pain in the ass. Um, because potentially you might absolutely be a fully qualified events audio engineer, but I'm not. Um, mm. And, you know, you need to get help with that. Catering it, just making sure that everybody knows where it is, and you've still got to advertise it, promote it, get people through the door, get your speakers lined up and happy, because, like I say, they're not rock stars, but they do expect uh, a degree of professionalism from you as the organiser. Well, a company that's really helping that out, actually, is Skills Matter here in London, they have a, um, a venue called Codenode and they run a whole bunch of meetups and conferences and stuff like that. And they kind of, it's kind of like a conference in a box in a, in a weird way. If you, you're going to bring all the people over, it's not, I don't know, I haven't set up a conference with them, but it just seems that they're all set up for you to be able to do that. So all the things that are hard, like um, having a, a great venue, having uh, AV support, having good rooms, having being able to, to do all of, all of that part, they can kind of take care of it. This is not a plug for them, by the way. It's just because I've been to a few conferences at, at, 
at their venues. And, you know, the fact that they have uh, great AV, that they already have the systems that say, okay, no, we'll record it and we'll put it on our website for any delegates. You just have to sign up through Skills Matter site and have all your presentations up. You know, that's a lot of the nightmare taken care of, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, I think there are systems out there that, and Paper Call now takes care of, you know, the whole process of what are you going to do with all these presentations and your advisory board and, and how you manage that. So I think as with any pain point, you know, there are systems out there that are fixing them, you know? Yeah, and I think that's another key thing is dig around and make sure that you're aware of them. I mean, skill, uh, Skills Matter, they're primary in London, right? Do they yeah. have other no, no, no. nodes? No. Yeah. So if you're not in London, um, you may not want to organise a conference in London. You're right. But cast around, because there will be, there'll be co-working spaces, there'll be kind of... Um, uh, universities are good ones. Spaces. Yeah, universities that will actually... You don't have to go out and book a hotel. Yeah, because that will cost you a, a ton of money, and right. you know. You and also, hotel have got like these things that they want you to use their catering, so that's when like a a, a pot of coffee is going to cost you fifty dollars, or and, and things like that, or yeah. whatever. As an organizer, um, so yeah, so you know you can dig around, find these spaces, and and potentially you can actually get it kind of. Um, you can run it for a, a lot cheaper and get a, a much better venue that already has, as you say, some of the problems solved. AV, whatever it happens to be, uh, parking, yeah. It's a big thing. Um, so we should, well, no, you were talking about smaller events. There's a great little event uh, called Video Brains set up in London, which they have like four or five speakers every month that do like 20-minute talks about, about games. It's kind of a more intellectual view on games um, in the back of a pub, in the back room of a pub. Or I say back room. It's, yeah, it feels like the back room of a pub. It just seems another part of it and they managed to like pull it off very well that the very good speakers they come from all over the place so it is really kind of worth it i mean there's lo- loads of events that's one of them that's going to be happening in august at some point you also have gamescom in cologne which is like i think the world's biggest trade a gaming trade conference uh and then after that i think there's nothing in september i haven't seen anything happening in september is that fr- when's frontiers october yeah, Frontiers in October. Um, What's there Frontiers? Will be stuff in, in September. Sorry? What's Frontiers? We're going to Frontiers ball. is uh, it's, um, a web development conference. Okay. Fundamentally, um, in Amsterdam. Front end focused. Um, oh, yeah. The, the, the name is in, in, in the, in the um, you know, the clues in the name. The I reason that I, I highlight it is because um, they're into their 10th year now, and this is a conference that's really started to build up a, a head of steam. So if you're into front end and, and fancy going along, it's in Amsterdam, which is ticking the box in terms of a cool place to host a conference. Well, there's um, if it's uh, there's also uh, there's, a, there's a conference called Full Stack that just happened in July, but mm-hmm. there is a kind of sister conference of that, which is called Half Stack. So there's a front end Half Stack, which is a conference in a pub, uh, which is in just seventeenth uh, of November, as well. So that's a bit. Uh, so I'm just making the note. So yeah, seventeenth of November, which is uh, I think it's in uh, near Spitalfields. Um, I need to check. You can kind of look at the website, um, which is similar. I would guess is similar to Frontiers. Then there's NC DevCon, which is like front and back end, which is in North Carolina. Um, close to both of us, obviously, but I'll be heading mm-hmm. there. And even closer to us is actually CF Camp, which I think we are now going to be there, right? 
I think we're, we are. I, I, I think we're half confirmed. Maybe by the time that this goes out, we'll be confirmed. Well, I'm um, on the website, so. All oh, right. Okay. Yeah. So then, then we'll, you. So I'm, I'm guessing we're speaking. Yeah. Um, but not only are we speaking on a couple of topics, which I won't do the shameless self-promotion just yet. Um, <laughs> Um, I think the plan is that we are going to be doing something local hosty, right? Yeah, I think we're gonna we're gonna see what we can actually do, but we're gonna set up maybe a, a round table or something like that that we'll be recording live. Well, we're recording live. We won't be like like streaming it live, but um, or maybe we will. Cause, cause, we well, it depends. Wi-Fi, Wi-Fi at the event is any yeah. good, right? Um, so yeah, if you are going to CF Camp or if you were on the on the cusp and needed the the final reason to, to really pull the trigger, yeah, we'll be there. We'll be, be there. there. Come over, say hello. Come on. Um, we we may even have stickers. Yeah. Oh, that's an idea. Oh, great idea, Rob. Let's let's go and get some stickers. There's also the uh, Adobe uh, Core Fusion Summit that's happening in uh, Las Vegas, Nevada, back in in November. So if it's cold over here, good time to go to Las Vegas, isn't it? And if you're looking for, if you're in London and if you're looking for any kind of meetups or conferences and stuff, hit up Skills Matters website because they run a whole bunch of events and conferences. So, you know, I know that I'm like doing CFML, you do PHP, but if you're doing .NET, F, F Sharp or whatever, whatever you're, you're uh, programming in, check out uh, Skills Matter because they have a whole bunch of meetups and they've, conferences. They've got literally everything. It's all there. It's all there. <laughs> but of course, like check out locally, like meetup and stuff like that. So uh, one thing we've if, covered. I was going to say, final plug, if anybody does happen to, to be in Jersey around about, I think, the back end of September, um, our local very um, inconsistent um, tech meetup, the Tech Tribes. Tech um, Tribes. Are returning. Yeah. Um, so we're returning with a couple of uh, different talks because the trouble with being such a small jurisdiction is it takes us like six months to build up enough stuff to talk about. Um, so we haven't done in fact it's been more than six months we haven't done one for a while so is it your half yearly meetup yeah again these are kind of back room of a pub um, more about casual information dissemination than it is a full thing but yeah so keep an eye out on on, uh, well my twitter feed because I'll be very noisy once we've actually got them up and running (laughs) awesome so with that note we should tell everyone that they should give us some feedback Uh, if you want to uh Get in contact with us. It's actually very simple. You can email us at show at localhost.fm. You can tweet us at localhost, or you can tweet me at Mark Drew, or you can tweet Rob at Rob Dudley. Rob Dudley. See, really simple. Simple ways to get in touch with us. We, we're not like some nickname or anything like that. It's at Mark Drew. Very simple. Uh, and, of course, you can just go to our website called localhost.fm. I'm pretty sure you're probably typing up localhost all the time when you're developing. Just add a .fm at the end of it, and yep. you come and see us. Um, someone – so we should, a couple of – like two things before we leave, right? We host at um, – what's it called? Uh, SoundCloud. SoundCloud. And they were, uh, they've got bought over, right? So we, we might might have to move, or they didn't have money to host, so someone had to come and buy them. Well, SoundCloud had a bit of a, a sticky patch, I think, over the past couple of months. They were running out of cash, and I can't remember who ran the story, but they were saying something like, yeah, SoundCloud's only got enough uh, money to keep running for another month. Um, but I believe that they've been rescued, um, and their CEOs has stepped aside. So, um, But yeah, we'll see what happens, because we're not sure if the new guys who've come in with the extra money are going to keep it running in the same way. They might decide to focus on music rather than... Random podcasts. podcasts, yeah. So we shall so, see if we're moving. No, this doesn't affect any of our listeners because it's just going to be a completely. It's just going to be a different feed. Yeah. 
But yeah, so that was kind of interesting. Um, we are on YouTube, right? Yeah, we're on YouTube. I need to. We will be uploading the previous podcast and this one uh, as soon as possible. Um, and depending what we we do, uh, yeah, we will we'll be uploading that as soon as possible. And I think that's it. Well, thank you, Rob. Thank you, Mark, and thank you, everybody else who's, and, who's still listening. <laughs> And we shall see you in the next podcast. See you then. Bye.